The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to, to the, the Legendarium. Legendarium. We had to have the simplicity to then get into something that was more complicated and appreciate the difference. Okay. You have anything to add, Megan? I do not. <laughs> that, was very, nope, that was good. I'm like, wow, that's, that's really good stuff. I'm gonna... And welcome back to the Legendarium. We're excited. Once again, the women are taking over this studio. Woo! So I am here. I'm Stephanie Bruckman. I'm going to be hosting your show today. Megan is with us as well. And then Kate is back, which we are excited Woo! about. And then we have someone new joining us. Sarah yes. Hanks is here joining us. Technically, I oh, technically Sarah isn't new because she has done podcasts That's like, before. how many podcasts have you been on? Of the of this? Yeah. Of the, the Legendarium? Legendarium? I think only one. Okay. It was early, early days. <laughs> so if anybody, you know, remembers that, you have, you've been around for the long <laughs> yeah. haul. That is one of the Lord of the Rings episodes I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It like, was one episode about, about the women? <laughs> you know. What what more do we need? Do we need more time than that? Not not <laughs> women are so overrepresented. Absolutely. Well, we're getting started on the whole women <laughs> discussion here today. <laughs> um, just a couple of housekeeping things before we really get started. We want to make sure that you support the podcast on Patreon, and if you want to, you can join our discussion on both Reddit and Discord. So for today, we are discussing the never-ending story. <laughs> We're kind of jumping on the bandwagon of a little-known show called Stranger Things, in case uh, no one... Unusual events. ...watched that last <laughs> <laughs> that last episode where we sang... Um, everyone had that song, The Never-Ending Story, stuck in your head for days and days. and oh, I, I have, still do. I, do. I have watched that YouTube clip about 50 times. <laughs> I'm still sing I was singing it this morning. Never-ending story... Uh, <laughs> anyway, isn't it weird that that's a dude? <laughs> like, I grew up thinking it was a woman. <laughs> what? Yes, it's a guy. His name is Limal. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Learn something new every day. <laughs> Speaking of underrepresented. <laughs> okay. So, for those of you that haven't read The NeverEnding Story or seen any of the movies, Megan is going to give us a synopsis. Okay. Long or short. I don't. Good know. or bad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Okay. <laughs> Bastion Balthazar books, an overweight and lonely child neglected by his father after Bastion's mother died and he is harassed by bullies, stumbles into a bookstore and steals an intriguing book called The Neverending Story. He hides in his school's attic where he begins to read. The story begins in a magical land of Fantastica. The childlike empress is dying and an evil force called the Nothing is swiftly destroying the country. The empress sends a boy warrior named Atreyu, Atreyu, to find a cure for her, her illness that will also stop the nothing and restore Fantastica. You know, not really a big deal. She gives Atreyu Arin a powerful medallion that protects him from all harm. Atreyu rescues a luck dragon named Falcor who pledges to stay with Atreyu in gratitude for saving his life and discovers that the only thing that can save the Empress is a new name given to her by a human child. Atreyu and Falcor are unable to find a way to the human world, but when they return to the Empress, she tells them they brought the human child to her. Bastion begins to believe the Empress maybe talking about him but since this is a book and he's kind of embarrassed about how awkward he is uh he doesn't want to speak her name out loud and join them in fantastica so the empress asks an old man to read well the old man 
her counterpart to read his own copy of a book called The Neverending Story, which surprisingly begins with Bastion stealing his copy from the bookstore. Bastion gives the Empress the name of Moonchild, and in gratitude for saving her life and in all of Fantastica, the childlike Empress gives Bastion the medallion, and on the back reads, Do What You Wish. And then the story keeps going, and I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. So there's more. Bastion begins his own adventure in Fantastica. He befriends befriends Atreyu and Falcor, and each of Bastion's stories becomes a wish that comes true in the magical land. But with each wish made in Fantastica, he loses a memory of the real world. Finally, Bastion decides to take over Fantastica for himself, but is stopped by Atreyu, whom Bastion wounds in battle. Ultimately, a repentant Bastion, he's been through a lot. He learns he must give up the memory of his own father to discover that his strongest wish is to be capable of love and give love to others. On the verge of losing his final memory, Bastion is unable to find the water of life with which to leave Fantastica and his memories, with his memories. He is found by Atreyu, and in remorse, Bastion lays down Arwen at his friend's feet. Arwen is the medallion. And Atreyu and Falcor enter Arwen, the medallion, with him. Only after Atreyu gives Bastion's name and promises to complete all the stories for him does the water of life allow Bastion to return to the human world. He returns to his father where he tells the full tale of his adventures and is reconciled with his father. Afterwards, Bastion confesses to the bookseller that he stole and then lost the book. The bookseller reveals that he has also been to Fantastica and that the book has likely moved into the hands of someone else. This, the book concludes, is another story and shall be told another time. That's mm-hmm. our drinking game this time. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought that too. I've been drunk by the time I finished this book, if yeah. that was the case with this one. Sorry, um, that wasn't as funny as Ken's recaps. <laughs> you so, guys don't know? Okay. My <laughs> first question for this is this book is definitely classified as a children's book. Do you agree with that? Do you not agree with that? Do you feel like it's, if it fits better as an adult, or is this something that you'd rather read to your kids at night? I felt very drawn to it on like an adult level for sure the the first third i would say is it follows more of that traditional story of like the hero on the quest and everything and 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 that's the story that you see in the never-ending story movie and i feel like that is more kid appropriate but like everything that happens from from the end from that end point on to me felt very like who we're getting into some deep themes (laughs) like can we accept ourselves as human? Like, what is the nature of truth? You know, these are such big questions. Like, I'm, I think if I had read this book as a kid, I wouldn't have appreciated that part of the book as much. So I, I'm glad I came to it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Had you ever read it before? Sarah? I had never, I didn't even know that it was based on a book. It makes a lot of sense that it was based on, <laughs> I'm familiar with the movie from the time I was a kid, but um no this was new to me and this is a first read for me and megan it's a first read for you as well right yes kate how many times have you read this book (laughs) i have read it a couple of times a year okay every year for the past i don't know since dinosaurs roamed the earth (laughs) okay so a a lot (laughs) i really love this book so kate is definitely our foremost knowledge on this book so (laughs) when the three of us say something wrong kate will be like no 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 i don't think there's anything wrong that's the beautiful part about this book is that everyone arrives at the different themes like you said that if you're a certain age or you have a certain understanding or level of acceptance of yourself there's going to be a different approach to the book i do find it interesting that you would ask that question though since we are dealing with these two anchor characters of the childlike empress and the old man Mm -hmm. and it's only when the old man shows up that bastion can start his true journey 
So I think that that's a very interesting thing. There's been some posited theories around that the old man is actually Bastion at the end of his life, come mm. back to Fantastica to guide himself towards the place that he is. Oh, so I, I think that's a really interesting thing. But I think that that like childlike versus aged person, that there has to be passing through that acceptance that you will someday be old, that you can begin to accept who you are. And I just noticed that Kate is wearing orange right now. <laughs> she put it on. on during the synopsis. <laughs> yeah. I silently screamed for joy. <laughs> we had way too really much cool. fun with that. Yeah, I really love it. It was given to me by a good friend. His name is Shelby. Okay. Yeah. But I love that. I just, as you were talking, Kate, I noticed that. I was like, this is awesome. This is how much Kate loves this book. Mm. Yeah. I love it. I I bought the audiobook for this a while ago because I have been friends with Kate for what, 13 years? Mm -hmm. And she has been telling me all of that time I need to read this book. And I just read it this month. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that I bought it because it is one that I'd like to revisit over and over. And it's one that I can imagine um, listening with like my 10 year old nieces in the on a car trip mm -hmm. or something like that. And it's something that we could talk over uh, because Atreyu and Bastion go on kind of I mean, not really similar journeys, but it's interesting what Atreyu learns in his journey. And Bastion, like, goes through that whole journey with Atreyu. And then Bastion goes on his journey. And Atreyu is there for part of it, like, trying to help guide him from what he, with what he has learned. And, like, Bastion just has this completely different take on it and takes such a different journey. Um, and my nieces, they're fraternal twins, so they don't look like each other, but they also just have very different personalities. And so I'd love to discuss <laughs> with them, like, these are two different ways that you can approach life and different things that you can do. And Bastion gets to where he needs to in the end and is able to return home and have like his catharsis and be reconciled to his dad. Um, but they really like throughout the whole thing, they both need each other to accomplish their goals, Yeah, which I just think is really cool. I, I think it's one that could be really fun to discuss with a younger person who is just figuring out that life doesn't necessarily revolve around them, but they have mm -hmm. to figure out how to navigate in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a lot deeper than I thought it was going to be when I started talking. I can't <laughs> help it with this book. Let's get so into deep. the I know. I mean, I... this book so invites that. I feel like, and I was kind of surprised by that. I wasn't expecting that when I first because I Same. I grew up watching both movies, mm -hmm. both the original and the sequel, and I loved them both. Uh, the oh, Jonathan and Brandis. I loved Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> and that's why I, I mean, he's it. beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but whoa, he was he was my teenage heartthrob right there, Jonathan Brandis. But I was surprised at how deep this book really got when after, I mean, the movies don't really touch on the depth that that the author mm -mm. does in this book. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I thought it was interesting because I was the same way, Megan, when I was I was reading it and I'm like, I still have a lot left of this book. Uh -huh. um, the movie's coming to an end. Like, <laughs> getting to the childlike empress, they're going to name her. This should be ending right yeah, now, yeah. and it didn't. And there was still this more book, and I loved that both movies were, and I can't even really say the second movie because it doesn't really follow the movie all that well. <laughs> <laughs> but that they were all one story, and that you get to follow Bastion from that moment where he's reading a book. And there's actually a quote from the book that I, that I loved because it took me a while. I wasn't raised as a reading child. Like I could read, obviously, but <laughs> I didn't fall in love with books until I was probably more into high school where I started absorbing these books. And this is what is quoted from the book. It says, if you have never spent whole afternoons with burning ears and rumpled hair, forgetting the world around you over a book, forgetting cold and hunger, 
if you have never read secretly under bedclothes with a flashlight because your father or mother or some other well-meaning person has switched off the lamp on the plausible ground that it was time to sleep because you had to get up so early. If you have never wept bitter tears because of a wonderful story has come to an end and you must take your leave of the characters with whom you have shared so many adventures, whom you have loved and admired, for whom you have hoped and feared, and without whose company life seems empty and meaningless. If such things have not been a part of your own experience, you probably won't understand what Bastion did next. And that really hit me because there have been so many books that I have like all-nighters and I'm reading these books going, I, have to <laughs> I have to finish this I Just have to know uh, yeah. and understanding how Bastion felt about reading the never-ending story and where he was in that moment I don't know reading that again Megan how do you feel about how that this quote fits in with this story Ooh, um I I think it's interesting there are so many books that I have read that I kind of wonder where I would fit into the world of that book and the fact that Bastion is so engrossed in this, he reads it all in a day, and then he gets to jump into it and be a part of it and create the story. Um, I'm really jealous. Like, I just <laughs> think that's really cool. <laughs> like, he's just become such an important and integral, integral part of that. I know I, I have plenty of books that I'd be like, I want to join. When do I get to have this adventure? <laughs> I think this is where I would be in the adventure. Oh, I'm totally AON. What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Kate. I'm not Saida. I know you want to be a part of the story. <laughs> yeah, I did, but surprisingly, I didn't. I didn't identify with Bastion's need to go on an adventure or to be. I more identified with his like. I don't want these characters to see how I am right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hide under this blanket. Yeah. I'm going to eat the apple core, which was weird in the movie. <laughs> um, I remember watching that and being like, "What is this movie? Where you eat the apple core?" Um, I know that's like a really random thing, but, um, I just, I, I identified with that moment and I feel like that now, especially as an adult, I understand it all the more than I did as a kid. But I think as a kid, there's that moment where you're like, Atreyu is my hero. I don't want to stand in front of, so that moment where the mirror is, and then Atreyu has seen him as he is, that Bastion's like, no, don't identify. Don't, you can't, you can't see me as I am. And that I feel like is this big setup for the rest of everything in the book that everything else Bastion does springs from that shame, from that feeling that who he is isn't enough, that he can't stand up um, in comparison to his heroes. So I didn't want to join in the book at that point. <laughs> I really wanted to join in. When we got to Grogerman, I thought, yeah, done. Love it. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I would love to ride um, the fire of a thousand suns across a desert that changes colors. Mm. And um, more so, though, I was jealous that Bastion got to sit there and talk to Grogramon, that he got to discuss the meaning of life, the universe and everything with mm-hmm. him every night. And that the answer wasn't petulant or, you know, any of the things that adults often say to kids. No, don't, we don't have time to talk about that. You know, Grogramon yeah. took him very seriously. So um, to specify, Grogramon is a lion. He's a, <laughs> uh-huh. And the first time I read it, I thought, wait, is this Aslan? What's going on? Because like, right. it, it has that. What is it with lions and fantasy <laughs> stories? I feel like, I know, well, yeah. It's, it's actually a callback. Um, Michael End really wanted to reference that because that quote um, that you just read, Stephanie, is about his finishing the Chronicles of Narnia mm. and how emotional he was over losing that part of his life, that he had ended that, that he sought out other series and that they weren't that popular when he was a child. So I have to admit, on. Harry Potter was that for me. Yeah. I was. I think all of us. I was a little, kind of part of that generation <laughs> that grew up with Harry Potter. And yeah. when Harry Potter mm-hmm. ended, it was... What do I do with my life now? Yeah. Like, 
what yeah. do I where do I go from here? What do I what am I supposed to read next? Like it was it was a little heartbreaking when that all ended. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't want to jump to the end or like jump past anything, but I really did appreciate that I feel like Michael End gave us that, like what we do at the end of a story. We go out and we love. Mm-hmm. We go out and mm-hmm. we love others. That yeah. he goes out and the very first thing that he does is talk to his father, have a conversation, and say, Now we're going to love. Now mm-hmm. we're gonna be okay. That's such a beautiful reminder of what do you do with the stories? What do you do with those lessons? How yeah. am I going to fill my time now and realizing that you can give it to others and communicate and love? I felt like that was such a good model that I didn't understand the first time I read it, but definitely do as an adult. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a quote I wanted to read, actually, that kind of on this idea of loving people and like the self-acceptance and stuff, because that was definitely the part that as a reader that I got to and that made me cry those tears that that are talked about in that other quote where I was like, oh, it's all so true, you know, <laughs> um, but basically, you know, after being, you know, after ascending to these incredible heights where he feels like he's king of the world and then being kicked down on his butt, um, Bastion kind of gets to the point where he realizes what he really wants is to be loved for who he is. Mm-hmm. And to be able to love others. And it takes a, a lot of work <laughs> to be able to get to that point. Um, and gosh, where is it? Oh, here we go. There was this, he gets to this point where he he basically like bathes in the waters of life. And that's yeah. what allows him to return home. And it says, um, he splashed and spluttered and let the sparkling rain fall into fall into his mouth. He drank till his thirst was quenched and joy filled him from head to foot. The joy of living and the joy of being himself. He was newborn. And the best part of it was that he was now the very person he wanted to be. If he had been free to choose, he would have chosen to be no one else. Because now he knew that there were thousands and thousands of forms of joy in the world, but that all were essentially one and the same, namely the joy of being able to love. And he he feels that way. He feels that joy in being himself when he's back to being like the chubby misfit pale kid who Mm -hmm. like misses his mom and like Mm -hmm. can't really get along with his dad and just stole this book and thinks everyone's going to reject him. Like Mm -hmm. it's, he doesn't come to love himself as this triumphant warrior King. He comes to love himself for what he always was the whole time. And like that just, Oh, that melted me. And he wanted, Mm -hmm. and, and that is the foundation of being able to love others. And I don't know. I was just, so touched by that towards the end i love that there are so many gateways that he has to pass Mm -hmm. through that we start off with this gateway that's this magic mirror and that's the gateway of him accepting the shame saying okay i feel ashamed of who i am right now and then he passes through the gateway of stepping up to naming moonchild no matter what those consequences are he steps up to facing the fire of grogramon his own cowardice he steps up to seeing himself in the beautiful creature that he's on the inside because he doesn't look in Fantastica like he looks in his regular life. Mm-hmm. And then we have these other ones, but I think that one of the key ones to me was Damiola's House of Change, mm-hmm. that he accepts that as he gets older, he will change. And that I love in that quote, it says a thousand forms of joy, that we accept ourselves every single time we move forward, that we we accept our steps back, our steps forward as we move through those things that every moment is an opportunity to change. And that's what that represented is that the gates are not ever going to be clear that we're passing through, but all of that joy has to be accepted in order to love too. Mm. Oh, we're all just sitting here <laughs> smiling at each other <laughs> now. We're like, oh. 
Don't things, we just feel so good? Be loved. That's just things love that, that's and... something that more people need to hear more often. You are appreciated for who you are. Yeah. You are great who you are. And and like you said, Sarah, Bastian really, he finds this book at his very lowest point. He's being chased by bullies. He misses his mom. He's neglected by his dad. He just needs something. And this book comes along at the right moment and just calls to him and he steals it. And, you know, yeah. just... He latches on because he just needs something to believe in. And, mm -hmm. you know, he falls. He just loves the tree and he loves the childlike empress. And then he just falls in love with being, oh, OK, I'm needed. This is really nice and starts creating this whole world mm -hmm. where everybody needs him and building him up. And that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility to be like amazing for everyone else. Yeah. And it's How just, old is he? He's about 10, 11. Yeah. 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 Like 10, 11. Yeah. yeah. And try to. And it, it's just so much easier to be yourself. And sometimes I'm going to disappoint people. Yeah. And sometimes I'm going to make the wrong choice. But man, if people still love me and like Atreyu and Falcor stay with him through the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, and help him through. And yeah, we need those people who will so love us and help us. How do we feel how, because the first half of this book is very much a child reading a fantasy novel. Mm -hmm. He's following the story of Atreyu and Atreyu trying to find this child to help the childlike empress and at a, at a moment when i got to the second half of the book i was kind of like okay these are two very distinct types of stories mm -hmm. how do we feel like the first half of the book is necessary or fits in to i mean because could they have just could he have easily written and given us a brief background of bastion and his and his life or did we need to follow atreyu and his whole journey mm, yeah. to understand where Bastion fits into the middle of the book and Bastion's entire journey and Kate is like I know I'm so excited about I that. Have, that's I have such a great like, question. I have had thoughts to share on this for I years. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just it's difficult to get people excited about this book because they see the movie and they think it's this thing. Mm -hmm. But then you get into the second half of the book and all of you are just saying all these magical <laughs> things. I feel like I am in the fountain of life right now. Like, <laughs> drinking the water. Mm. Um, it tastes I, like raspberry. Do you want some? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yours tastes like raspberry. I was like, mine's Coke over here. So I'm just wanting to drink some of my water. <laughs> um, I love when the childlike empress says, you brought him with you. And I was thinking about what you were saying earlier, where Atreyu and Bastion, they're mirrors of each other. There are so many things that are connected with them. But I feel like the never-ending story is only never-ending because my story, personally, me by myself, will end. But every character from my story, like anytime I connect with you, that's a story. But mm -hmm. then you go on to your next part of your story. And I feel like he couldn't do that with more than one character. He had to be selective. And he did intend to write sequels. So that, that was built in. But um, just that overlapping connection that we have as humans, I feel like it is utterly necessary for us to hear Atreyu in order to understand Bastion's, both his pain and his rise to that level, that ascendant, amazing king of the world yeah. place had to be something that he saw Atreyu achieve and then felt like he could do himself. Um, because I feel like Atreyu is the possibility of him. I feel like that's a, a representation of what he's capable of. Okay. Yeah. I really felt like it's, this, it's so tricky to talk about these things and find words because it's all it's all so much about like the beliefs and the subtle nuances mm -hmm. and things. But <clears throat> I feel like the the first part of the book, Atreyu's story, if we want to call it that, is a real classic tale of like the the hero's journey and everything. Mm -hmm. 
And we see Bastion experience that. We see how Bastion looks up to Atreyu, wishes he could be like Atreyu. And then when we move into actual, like, Bastion's story, it's more like, it's like, it's like we've built, we've built the framework and then we have to complicate the framework in Bastion's story. (laughs) Like we have this whole idea of this magical world and there are magical wishes and there's clear good and clear evil and everything. And then once you have that, when Bastion enters the, the realm of Fantastica, it's like, okay, well now we actually have to say like, what are, what do you sacrifice by making wishes? Like, in a, in a straightforward mm-hmm. fantasy story, you make wishes and things come true and 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 good triumphs over evil. But like you don't get a chance to see any complication in that. And Bastion really gets to explore um, how things aren't always so clear cut. And so for me as a reader, even though I wasn't as absorbed emotionally by Atreyu's story, mm-hmm. I think it it kind of gave me the foundation to to then move into like asking a lot of those deeper questions and questioning my own assumptions through Bastion's story, if that makes sense. It's like Mm -hmm. we had to have the simplicity to then get into something that was more complicated and appreciate the difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. you have anything to add, Megan? I do not. (laughs) That was good. I was like, wow, that's that's really good stuff. I'm going (laughs) to... Just sit here quietly and enjoy. Okay, now you know I've read it so often. Though. This is yeah. not a one-time read. Oh, completely. And, and I'm so excited to read it again. That, like, I wish I could have given it to every person when they turned eight. Here, read this. Yeah. Because I know, you know, children's story aside, I just really feel like it's a discovery thing. Mm. And that along about the point where you figure out that you're separate from your parents, there's going to be <laughs> questions of who yeah. you are. And so as you get older, like to have this sort of guide next to you saying, hey, guess what? You might be in a tray you right now, but tomorrow you'll be a bastion. <laughs> Very careful with this. Okay. <laughs> and another time you will be one of those people who lost all of their memories and lives yes. in this downtown, sad town ruled by monkey. Can we talk oh, yes. about that town ruled by monkey? <laughs> <laughs> what was it? The, the town of old emperors or yes. something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So just to clarify, this is a, a, a city, and it actually it has a steward that is a monkey that talks. Um, and these are all past humans that have come to um, Fantastica and have gone through their memories with their wishes. That right. for whatever reason, whether they strive to become and replace the childlike empress and become emperor, or through just their making of wishes, they have now lost all of their memories, and yeah. they are just basically mute they're just like empty shells yeah living in this town all watched over by a monkey right and i feel like there's a very interesting symbolism here that no one talks like he doesn't ever mention this he says they wish too much or they weren't judicious about this wishing the thing he doesn't mention is none of them has an atreyu or a falcor who show up at the end to save bastion Mm -hmm. from this last wish that he must make without atreyu and falcor he wouldn't have made it. Right. He definitely would have ended up back in that. Because Bastion at this point knows that he's losing his memories. Every it's- time he makes a wish, he sacrifices a memory mm-hmm. unknowingly at first. Yeah. So he's he's striving to get back home at this point when he comes across to this city. He has he wanted to become emperor, almost became emperor, um, and was stopped by Atreyu. And so Atreyu mm. saved him from really losing all of his memories. Yeah. And in his strife back home, he's found and realized what could become of him if he continues on the path that he's on. 
alone and yeah. with a monkey. I just <laughs> think that's funny. I don't know and understand why it's a monkey. It's out of, the most uh, evolved state of humanity. Out of everything he could have chosen oh. to steward over this this town I mean, of empty shells, he chose a, well, do you, a rather snide monkey. Which Apparently, is, you don't need more than that to rule over people who have no... <laughs> ability to speak or do mm-hmm. it i find it interesting that these are people who um tried to use their wishes what does it say you uh, there's probably an actual quote or maybe i wrote it down fairly decently <laughs> oh you cannot use the empress's power to take away her power mm. you can't be the emperor by taking over the empress because she's she's the she source is of your fantastica. power and so it's interesting because if you're trying to be the if the empress if you're trying to be someone else you're just going to end up not knowing who you are and you're going to lose everything mm. is what i got from this town like literally to the place to the point where they're playing this game with a whole bunch of random letters trying to make <laughs> trying to make sense trying to do something worthwhile trying to do something meaningful and maybe eventually they will but it's just That's so sad eons and eons later they'll create a poem or something right? but i just heard another level i've never heard before and I, I've never related to this before because as I read the story, I've always related to Bastion or Atreyu or mm-hmm. Falcor, put myself in their shoes. But I just realized there's a piece of childlike empress in all of us too that you, maybe it's because I'm wearing Oren. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot use someone's power to take away their power. Like, that sounds so trite, uh-huh. but as an adult, I think a lot of people try to take each other's power away. I love you goddesses. <laughs> I don't ever want to suck your wind again. Mm-hmm. Interesting concept, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling that quote out again. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. Since we're on her, I'd like to talk about the childlike empress. Yes. I think she's such an interesting Queen. character as this overarching leader in, of, of Fantastica. She's neither good nor evil. Mm-hmm. She's She's just there. She will stop existing if she doesn't get a new name, which is why Bastion is brought on the journey with the trait that Atreyu is on. He's trying to find someone to to give her a new name. Mm-hmm. But towards the end, I was starting to get frustrated. I was like, because she really does kind of come across, and I think as our society sees almost godlike now, where she doesn't seem to care all that much about what's happening in her world. Mm-hmm. These are her people, and she's not doing anything she just kind of disappears yeah because after she really gets bastion in fantastica other than this overarching kind of character we never really see her much um there is this law that you won't ever see her twice Mm -hmm. bastion says he has i think there's a kind of a, a wiggle room between how they figure that one out but that you won't ever no one ever sees the childlike empress twice so do we think is is she good is she bad is she just there like where does she fit in yeah. to this story and yeah what is the <laughs> i ask a question every time kate just gets this little grin on her face like, like i have to say something but we need to let kate no i love it no i just i think that she's called the childlike empress for a reason that children disappear when things get difficult. They go away and that it's only mm. the maturity of age that actually causes people to show up when things are hard. I think that's one thing. And Mr. Coriander specifies that Bastion can see her again if he gives her a new name or finds a new path to Fantastica. And I think that that's an interesting thing too because I will never again live my childhood 
but I can relive it through my son's eyes or I can, you know, play with my grandchildren that I will find new path to Fantastica. I think that's what it's supposed to represent, but I found the same frustration. <laughs> I was very frustrated with her. I thought, why aren't you taking action? Get with it. Like yeah. all these people are trying to take your power. And there's one point where it talks about her like actively just going away. Mm -hmm. And that was very frustrating for me. Yeah. There is one part too where this very short conversation between Atreyu and uh, Falcor, where Falcor says that they're talking about the childlike empress and Falcor says something like, so then she really is a, and Atreyu cuts her off and says, don't say it. I, I know what you mean, but don't say it. And the the implication to me is that Falcor was going to say, so she really is evil or she really is a villain or something. Oh. Like the context oh. is very much like she she isn't helping. She didn't give Bastion the information um, he needed. Arin was a trap, you know, because he didn't know he was going to have to sacrifice his memories. Anyway, I think she is such an ambiguous character. But from <clears throat> from the first time she's introduced in this story, close to the first time, I really felt a lot of like uh, Mother Earth symbolism mm -hmm. with the childlike mm -hmm. empress. Um, and it was written like this. Uh, in reality, she was far more than a ruler. She was something entirely different. She didn't rule. She had never used force or made use of her power. She never issued commands and she never judged anyone. She never interfered with anyone and never had to defend herself against any assailant. For no one would have thought of rebelling against her or of harming her in any way. In her eyes, all her subjects were equal. And every creature, whether good or bad, beautiful or ugly, merry or solemn, foolish or wise, all owed their existence to her existence. Without her, nothing could have lived any more than a human body can live if it has lost its heart. And so some of these um, feelings that I definitely had about the childlike empress with her being like too detached or like uninterested or like, why aren't you helping? It it felt like it clicked into place more. It, it helped me understand her more, I guess, if I thought about her in the same way that I think about the earth, like the earth isn't really like intervening in wars and the earth isn't like, uh, you know, only giving uh, food to people who are good and withholding from people who are bad because like trying to tip the scales in one way or the other, like the earth just exists and supports all of us. And it mm -hmm. doesn't like decide that some of us are worthy and some of us are not. And I think the childlike empress is the same way. And to me, like that is ultimately more good than evil somehow in like refusing to take a stand for the good it's like it's more it's more accepting it's more like just allowing the story to be and i don't know there's something about that that puts me like squarely on the we like the childlike empress <laughs> corner <laughs> even if <clears throat> even if there is a part of me that was like could you not have given bastion a little more information about right. how to navigate this journey like could could you not have helped out a little bit more you know it's she's she's ambiguous for sure she's she is mystery in and of herself it's true but at, at the same time with her not being there and not interfering it gives a chance for the good guys quote unquote or like mm -hmm. good people to stand up to the evil and to the injustice and to find out what they are able to do and mm -hmm. what they're capable of mm -hmm. right and, it's not like taking that responsibility away from them. It's right. it's keeping their sovereignty, their Yeah, it's not, I don't have to do anything because the childlike empress is going to come in and save the sure. day. So we'll all be fine. So I'm just going to sit here and keep watching TV. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is my favorite part about her. She inspires yeah. action on all sides. Mm -hmm. The other thing, um, I've read 
so many theories on her presence and everything. Is she an emperor who managed to take the power from mm-hmm. the previous emperor? Right. Um, is her creation having to do with the fact that she named all the things that she... But I love that, um, looking at it as Mother Earth, because then she's very rules-based. You know, mm-hmm. you plant a seed, you do these things, you give it sunlight, you give it water, and it will grow. Mm-hmm. End of story. There's not really a lot to that. And so it's interesting to me that she gives out this Auron. She's like, here's this thing, do what you wish. And I think that that is, it's our determination sometimes that we decide whether or not wishes are good or, or bad. And for her to not comment on that at all means that we would have to say whether or not a wish was good or bad ourselves. But when Bastion gets to the end, I find it really interesting that the way of wishes is never straight. They say that several times throughout the book. Um, but the wish led him to goodness. And I'm not sure if that's because Atreyu and Falcor showed up or if it's because he's inherently good or because his ultimate wish was good. I, I don't know, but I've, I've thought about those questions a lot and I love that it, they linger. I love that he never answers that for us by maintaining this facade or mystery. Maybe it isn't a facade, maybe it's all true. But that mystery of her being good or bad, it forces us into questioning that mm-hmm. regularly. Mm-hmm. If you come back to me in two years, you read it. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll read it again. <laughs> after the podcast (laughs) well I think that's interesting that as we were talking about his wishes that and other stories with wishes that wishes are always with consequences Mm -hmm. it's one of those things like no matter what whenever you have a genie or anything you there are always consequences to your wishes whether they're big huge consequences I mean there's it was kind of interesting as we're reading about Bastion and he's slowly losing his memories when he forgets things and what he forgets mm-hmm. as he's going along is like, cause he's telling this story of where he came from and the human world. And then the next minute, Atreyu you make some comment to him and he's like, what are you talking about? I don't remember that. I don't remember my school or mm-hmm. whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and that yet the things that he held on to, like how long he held on to the memory of his mother and the fa- his father is really the last thing that he has connecting him to his human life and his human world. And that's what eventually kind of gets him back as we've been talking about love and, and those connections with people that those are really the things that you want to remember. But I thought that it was like, that was an interesting consequence to me. It's not like when you make a wish with a genie and he takes you very literally, like, <laughs> and then gives you exactly what you asked for. Cause those kind of are usually comical, but to think, okay, if I make this wish, I'm slowly losing parts of myself and who who I am. I thought that was kind mm-hmm. of an interesting take on yeah. on wishes and the consequences we have from making wishes in in a world. Also the schlamuths. I think yeah. this is very interesting that one <laughs> yeah. of his wishes was for other people. Um well that happens a couple of times where he'll make wishes for other people and then it turns out to not be what they wanted. Right. But they don't know it until they get it. Right. Exactly. Which I think you could evaluate good or evil in in that as well. So I think that right. that's a very interesting thing because when it says do what you wish, you could make yeah. the evilest wish in the world and it might be what someone else wants, but you don't know. Right. You know? And I loved, yeah. I was so touched like by, um, how do you, how are you guys saying the, the lion's name? Grogramon? Grogramon. Grogramon. That's how I say it. I cool. <laughs> Is that how it's said in the audio? That uh, sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> He's the one, you know, Bastion asks him about this inscription of do what you wish. Like, oh, so does that just mean I can do what I want? And the lion gets kind of stern. Like, (laughs) no, actually, it's more about 
like it's it's much more challenging than that mm-hmm. because to truly do what you wish you have to know what you wish you have to be sincere you have to be really like clear on what you want because plenty of people wish for things that are at odds with what they truly want right. um and so this whole journey that oh gosh <laughs> i hope that wasn't too loud just bumped a table um <laughs> this whole journey that bastion goes on in a way is about him peeling back layer after layer to figure out what it is that he truly wishes on the surface. He just wants to be powerful. He wants Mm -hmm. to be handsome. He wants to be strong. He wants to be courageous, but getting those things doesn't satisfy what he really wants. And so it, it is this constant unraveling of self to get to the point where he's like, no, now I actually do know what I wish. Um, but I mean, it took so much time for him to get there. It took so much like, heartache and pain and so it i don't know i just really love that idea that like just uncovering your truest deepest wish is like the work of a lifetime Mm -hmm. and it's not just some flippant like i'll do whatever you want you know yeah i think too as you were talking about that the um spaces where we say oh i want this but it's actually the underlying thing he doesn't want to be brave and smart Mm -hmm. he wants people to see him as brave and smart Mm -hmm. so that he's wanted but I think under everything, what he wants is to be wanted, not neglected. He yeah. wants to be loved the way his mother loved him. He wants the bullies to stop bullying him. Mm-hmm. And if he can get to that point. Well, and he talks about that with um, the group of people that are the, the collective. Yes. Yeah. I don't oh, know. That was such an interesting part. I can but find the, it real they quick. Live, but. They live within harmony, but not with love. And he yes. feels when he first shows up um, with these people that he's a part of something. He's been accepted. He's. Mm-hmm he's loving this position that he's in but as he realizes and time goes on that he's not being loved he doesn't have it's not true acceptance it's just this collective of people that he's a part of that it's acceptance yeah but it's it's not love it's not being loved for who you are yeah it's being loved because you're here with all of us so right and if he were to leave it wouldn't bother it doesn't anybody. matter yeah. i think there is somebody it, the the people are called i think like the iskilnari yeah they're they're sailors basically mm-hmm. indistinguishable from each other and it in one part somebody does die and there's no grief among the rest because mm-hmm. that person was not unique there's right. no need to mourn their loss like i think they say why should we grieve none of us is missing we're all still here um and I think, yeah, it says in this community of Iskilnari, there was harmony, but no love. Every people got along because there was no difference between them. There was no challenge that would keep them from getting along and working together, which has its own kind of beauty. But fashion could not be loved for who he was mm-hmm. in that setting because there was nothing. You, they didn't see anything unique about him. Yeah, there wasn't any chance for heartbreak. There wasn't any chance right. for joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just living. Mm hmm. One of the notes sections of Michael ends everything when he named the child like Empress uh, and gave the moon child name, which I'd love to talk more about the tarot. Let's talk about <laughs> um, anyway, but the, um, the name, one of the names that he had picked up in the notes was uh, a translation of equitable, mm-hmm. which is a very different translation from equal. And as mm-hmm. we're talking about the evil and good and everything, I just want to bring that up because I think we think of everyone as equal when really what we need to be striving for is equitable. Um, and I think I first learned this concept 
from this book that I understood Bastion should be loved as he is. I'm raising my hand. <laughs> I don't know the difference between equal and equitable. Will you please explain that to me? Absolutely. And I think that that's a great question. <laughs> so equal is um, if all of us are five feet tall and I walk in and none of us can see over a fence. Mm-hmm. And so I give everyone a two foot box to stand on. All of us would have an equal ability to see over that fence that's too tall. Okay. Now imagine all of us are different heights and that I give a two foot box to everyone. Oh. That equality isn't fair because what if I'm four foot two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to stand on that box and see right. over the fence. So right. an equitable arrangement is where people get what they need. Okay. Not necessarily what everyone else is getting. I used to call it the CPR. Um, I used to be a nanny and I used to call it the CPR technique. Mm-hmm. Where my girls, they need CPR, they're going to get it. But I'm not going to give CPR to all of them just because one of them needs it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with Bastion, I think that the Yiskil Nari, that was the first time I'd ever thought of that. That, you know, we we have these needs and those aren't going to be fair. But you can divide needs equitably, not necessarily equally. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, so I'm going to change the dynamic of our conversation right now. Um to where we're actually talking about Bastion's create creation of Fantastica. That he, um, as he gets into the story, the nothing that Atreyu was fighting has basically wiped out Fantastica and there's nothing there. But as Bastion shows up, he is creating this world. Mm-hmm. He creates the the forest and the desert and he's creating monsters and people. And there was one thing that I thought was kind of interesting with all of this that um, as I think about actually opening a book and they're talking about that they've always existed, that they have histories, even though Bastion literally only created them moments ago. But all of a sudden they have a history, they have a past, they have lives that I think is so true every time we open a book. These stories have existed even though they might not have existed for us. They're new and they're exciting. Um, and I kind of want to see what everyone's opinion of that concept is because it is. He's creating things out of out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Megan's like, yes. What's the question? <laughs> no, no, no. I have, I have things I could say. I, I sometimes look at people and have to remind myself that they are not two-dimensional and that mm-hmm. they have like I, what was i watching i don't know i was watching some show oh i was watching phantom they're doing it at a local theater and it's based on the book phantom of the opera but the phantom sings this whole song about christine is mine and i she exists so that i can teach her and she is the culmination of my life and i leaned over to my mom and i went she is not a side character in your story. She is right. her own story. Yes, right. She is the lead character in her own story. I was so annoyed. Yeah. I was very distracted in that moment. Um, and so I, I, I think it's kind of a similar thing where I look at people and I'm getting to know their stories and I'm getting to know who they are, but I, uh, I get to discover that or they get to share it as is their want. And, um, with Bastion, some of the stories are because he's like, oh, well, this is a cool idea. I should share this. And other stories come about because, you know, he makes friends with this knight who has trained for many years to be the best knight because he's in love with this girl who will only take the best one. Mm-hmm. And so Bastion's like, okay, 
I'm going to create a dragon that has been terrorizing the country that comes every, you know, 50 years and takes away a maiden and blah, blah, blah. And he creates this and doesn't realize that in doing that, like it's always happened. And so there have been like many maidens who have been kidnapped and many people <laughs> who have been killed by this dragon, but also it will continue to happen. And he doesn't consider that. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I mean, it's, it's such a, a childlike thing, a childish thing to be like. I'm going to create a story. This sounds like a good idea. And then not think about it anymore. Right. And then have like, you know, me who they're telling the story about. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many problems with what you just said. But okay. (laughs) I love you. I love you as you are. That's fine. We can unpack that later or not. But yeah. Yes. That was my immediate response to your question. Right. About the creation. Well, (laughs) I think the thing that kind of brought on the question was the library. He's in the city Oh, of is something mm-hmm. is it the one with the silver the silver mm-hmm. it's the city yeah. within the, that's inside the silver lake that with the oh, a- the, the acid lake or whatever yeah, the silver ship city of amargan there you go something. by the way no one names fantasy characters like a german <laughs> yeah. yeah don't well, ask me to pronounce anything in this didn't book, you expect so. that like he would name the dragon smog i was like please <laughs> i was waiting for that but inside this city they have this locked building that mm-hmm. they've, they've never been able to get into until Bastion comes in and basically wishes for them to have all of the stories he has mm-hmm. ever created, basically will ever create. Like they have this ginormous library now of all of these stories Bastion has- I love this idea. Has always told that he would never in his lifetime be able to share himself. Mm-hmm that I thought was kind of cool because as I mean, I have a five-year-old that makes up insane stories yeah. <laughs> The I would love to just kind of like bottle all of these up mm. and stick them in a library that yeah. I could always go back to and look at and read and, and watch him grow. And I think that this is such an interesting concept that now that he has unlocked their history that they didn't actually know. Mm-hmm. Even though they know that they have a history, they didn't know what it was. Right. And then all of a sudden he has all these other people going, tell our story. Yeah. Tell our oh, history. Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful and like devastatingly beautiful. That Just the power of giving somebody their story, mm-hmm. giving a people their origins like that. I don't know. There was just something about that that totally melted me. The idea of like yeah. that being such a profound gift to let people know where they came from and why they are in the place where they are and why you know why the things that matter to them matter to them like that was just like such an enormous gift i think i have a question do you think bastion could have gone back to this library that he created of his own stories to maybe get knowledge of his own wishes i never thought of this before (laughs) (laughs) but i'm realizing if there's like some record of Bastion's stories, those all have to do with wishes. Couldn't he have gotten some of his memories back from going Maybe. back to this library? But I wonder if, even if he could have read about them, would they have felt like his That's memories? True. You know, it's That's like, true. oh, I'm reading this story about someone named Bastion. At, at a certain point, he didn't even remember his name. That's you know? true. That's a really good point. So, yeah. The other thing I, was, I wonder is, did he create the Iskulnari? And if he did, we don't ever hear that. We also don't ever hear about him creating the icing glass that he mines right. for his memories. And I really, but yet feel those like, are creations of yeah. this particular Fantastica. I felt like my assumption was that he did create them, and that kind of the way things worked was when he would have a wish, 
he might not wish, he might not say, okay, I have a wish. I want to become more courageous, whatever. So I am going to invent something that will allow me to do that. He just had to make the wish and then his subconscious filled in the necessary details. Because I, I think like that. before he found the Iskalnari, he he really wanted to be part of something. He was lonely. He wanted to be part of something bigger than himself. And so to me, then that was his subconscious being like, okay, well, we'll I'll create the society where everyone works together seamlessly and you'll go and experience what it's like to be part of something. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have to create the specific place consciously but it was still his wish kind of propelling the creation. And they do talk about know? how some of his strongest wishes come from, from nowhere, that they're not... Yeah, not that he's the, not aware of them. Yeah, he's not vocalizing True. these exact True. wishes, but they're coming from deep within him as they work their way to the surface that he's he doesn't even realize that he's always wishing mm-hmm. um, when these things come about. And I like that idea that it's a subconscious kind of creation yeah. of this world that he's moving himself through. And he goes from the Yuskulnari to the House of Change. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Damiola's like my jam. We could talk oh, about that for she's seven or eight episodes and I probably would have a lot to say. Why is she, I'm always so curious how people relate to this character. It was just so nice that she, I don't know, getting personal here but like reading in reading this story i am definitely in a place personally where i'm thinking a lot about the idea of being accepted for who i am mm-hmm. and realizing how much i have kept myself from being seen by different people in my life because i'm like they probably wouldn't accept me as i am so i need to play the part of the person that they would want to see right i'm realizing now that i've been doing that my whole life so thanks for the therapy <laughs> stuff, everybody. But like reading this story and getting to Dame Eola and how her whole, her whole like spirit, just ever her energy, everything about her is purely like there to love and accept Bastion as he is truly. Like that was just, that was just so moving to me. And I loved I loved her, the fact that she, like, herself is a plant. Like, that is a really (laughs) wonderful thing, you know, and that she lives in this kooky house. And I don't know. I mean, it was appealing for all of those kind of more superficial reasons. Like, Mm -hmm. I could really imagine her. And she was very much like, oh, what's her name? Dang it. From Harry Potter. Maggie Smith. No, the the botany teacher. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Professor Sprout. Sprout. Yes, Professor Sprout. (laughs) That's anyway, kind of who I envisioned. Like, that's <laughs> who I'm imagining. And I, so I loved it from that reason, from that perspective, but then also kind of at that deeper register, like this is the person that I feel like I really need to meet in my own life. Therefore, I love that I've been able to meet her in this book. You know, it just, it, it felt so special to me. I, that was when I, that I cried. I cried. <laughs> I did too. I have a strong connection to her. I love the first night when he's there and like the house turns into a crib. Mm-hmm. And I always felt really weird about like, I, I know the, the first time I read it, I was like, like this is really you know, weird. But like, at the same time, I, yeah, it was, there was, there was that element of it the first time I read it, but then there were elements too, where I felt like he could accept that he needed that, that as soon as I, in the book, it says a couple of different times in like a really interesting way around her. Um, and I didn't pull a quote and I was going to, and now I'm really kicking myself for it. Um, but it says that um, he's like, I, I'm getting this from the house and isn't this embarrassing? And shouldn't I be embarrassed by this? And she's like, it's just you and me. Why would anybody be embarrassed? Mm-hmm. That it's totally okay for us to relate to each other this way. Um, and, you know, I <laughs> remember reading the book one time after we had that like 
um, you know, seminar from the teachers about if anybody touches you, you can talk to an adult. So I remember reading that and being like, is it okay? Are they okay? (laughs) It was later that I understood it. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's he's getting what he needs and that it's really okay. He's learning that it's okay to ask specifically for what he needs. And I think as a character, that's such an interesting part of his creation. Um, To go back to your question. Stephanie, that um, <laughs> the way of, of discussion is never straight. So that's another story. <laughs> I shall be told another time. And but, taking a shot <laughs> of no, raspberry water. No, but that creation that we can't help what we need anymore, that we can help what we want. So it's okay to have those intersect. I think that that was the, the big message for me again and again, that that's okay. That's okay for you to want that. Yeah. Well, and with her, I... I thought it was interesting as because she's growing this fruit off of herself on mm-hmm. her person. Yeah, that, that he's eating. And at the very beginning, when he's first there, he's just like practically gorging himself. And as he's growing to love who he's who he is and what he's becoming, she's slowly producing less to the point where she finally kind of dies because mm-hmm. he doesn't need her anymore. That was basically mm-hmm. her entire existence was to be there so he could accept who he is mm-hmm. and like looking back on my own life because there are plenty of people that have kind of come and like they mm-hmm. just come and go through your life mm-hmm. and that are there because at that moment you need them to be the person that you're supposed to be and I I love that he wrote her into the book for that reason that she wasn't this character that's going to go on with her own story or her own life that she was specifically there just so Bastion could become what he needed to be on this pathway as he's trying to at this point, trying to get back home mm-hmm. and to to get back to his fan or his mm-hmm. father, and yeah. So we're we could go on <laughs> and on and on. And I as as we're discussing more about this, I find that it's that there's so much we can discuss about the second half of this book, and that's really where the depth of all of this is. So if you haven't read Neverending Story, read it. You will enjoy the first half for exactly what it is that that fantasy story that coming of age and then you will really understand as a person what the importance of that coming of age story is as we follow bastion and his coming of age story Mm -hmm. but is there anything else that you guys want to discuss touch on kate's like yes just one thing so many things (laughs) no 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 just um i just want to say that uh, i will be trolling the reddit and the discord to make sure (laughs) if there are other super fans out there who really love this book and want to talk more and everything we will definitely (laughs) make sure if you guys want to talk about it or there's something that you feel we missed just read the story i keep coming across people that just haven't it doesn't seem to be huge in our culture. Mm-mm. They've they've and seen the movie. Be. If you're you in your 30s and 40s, Peter Jackson, you... if you're listening, <laughs> this is a plea Ooh. to do to this movie what Ooh. needs to be done to it, please, to make it a cult classic. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. anything yeah. else that that really stood out that you feel like you want to discuss? I, I on the subject of how many more episodes we could make about this, I um am a huge tarot nerd tarot reader and reading this book i was just like my mind was a flurry with all the connections between tarot <laughs> and the never-ending story which makes sense i mean they're 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 very archetypal and, and building on that idea but i don't know i guess i'll just move that over to the reddit as well <laughs> we can talk about it then but um yeah i i was just like 
so amazed at how much I learned from this book that I'm that's going to translate over map over onto tarot and anyway this was a great read for a number of reasons so (laughs) thank you yes thanks Kate for uh stressing (laughs) no recommending it in a really warm and forceful manner (laughs) (laughs) forceful is definitely the word you're looking for (laughs) but I think now that you've read it I mean don't you see like yeah (laughs) I do and I'm gonna become that person now that's like well if you need something to read, you go on I a vacation. And I, I kind of want to go through it and, and like, because he says a lot, you know, that's another story and will be told at another time. And I kind of want fan to look fiction, at some of those fiction. stories <laughs> and which stories would I want to tell? Which stories do I want to know more about? Which might Michael End have um, put into like sequels or more books that he might have written. But I just think that could be a really fun exercise too. Like, again, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're listening to this with kids or you're listening to it with somebody and you're like, so this is a fun exercise. Why don't you make up your own story? <laughs> Why don't you tell the rest story? of that one? Yeah. 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 Here's where they started. Now finish the story because yeah. that's a, another story for another time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening to The Legendarium. We're excited. We hope that you will go out and read The Never Ending Story <laughs> so you can discuss it more with us because we're obviously loving talking about it. Yeah. Um, don't forget to support us on Patreon if you enjoy listening to us and join our conversation on Reddit and Discord. We will definitely make sure we're paying attention to any <laughs> comments you have to share with us. And we will chat with you all later. Bye.